Well, uh, I, I spent much of my 20s uh, making some pretty poor decisions um, with, with money and finances and, and my possessions. Right out of college, I went out to my first job as a student worship intern, uh, where I, I was at a church in Colorado doing that. Um, as an intern, I didn't make a whole lot of money, um, so some of my poor decisions started off small. Uh, it would be things like going out to lots of movies, going out to eat with friends, or purchasing video games, which none of those things are bad things, but when you do it most nights on a low budget, that can add up very quickly. And then as my career progressed, I moved uh, into a, a more full-time role, and I was making a, a full-time salary at that point, but it still wasn't a lot of money, I continued to make those decisions where I would go to movies and out to eat or go golfing and all these things. Um, but then I would add on to that computers, cell phones, TVs, and more video games, all of the necessities of life. Um, and so I kind of began this pattern where I was enjoying spending money on myself. And, you know, when you're single in your 20s, you feel like, well, I can do that because I don't have many other responsibilities. Um, and then shortly after, uh, I, after I lived in Colorado, I, I moved here to Whiting. And I started, I had a little bit higher salary than I had anywhere else. And and so, you know, still that mindset of having that freedom to spend money on myself. So, uh, uh, not long after I moved here, um, I got a text from uh, a buddy of mine, and he had just gotten home with his brand new uh, Chevy pickup. And he had just driven it from the dealership, and I was like, ooh, um, that's pretty sweet. And I thought, man, my dad my brother, and now my best friend, all have nice, shiny, new pickups. And so I'm going, oh, I want a pickup. I want a truck. And some of you might, may remember this, but uh, I started looking. I, start, I was like, I want a pickup, and I want to be able to have that and, and drive that, and hopefully I can have some fun with it. So my parents helped me find one. Uh, we found one down in Joplin where they lived at the time, and uh, I went and drove it and actually was able to take it for the weekend. And ultimately, I ended up buying that truck. And uh, <laughs> it was funny because I was so excited to come to Iowa where, you know, you needed it for snow and you, needed, you wanted to be able to go play in the mud, things like that. Um, but ultimately, I ended up uh, using it to help people move most of the time. <laughs> and... Um, I think when, when Aaron and Kara Peer were still here, I think I helped Aaron move three times with that truck. So, um, and, and, and so that was ultimately what ended up happening with my pickup. And then people would ask to borrow it and to drive it to Omaha or whatever. And, and I, I'm sure, I know Rick gets tired of me borrowing his truck now. He probably wishes I still had it. But um, so uh, I, I started realizing after a while that the novelty of having that truck wore off. And I started to realize, man, first of all, that was a really dumb decision because I'm paying a lot in gas. Um, the payment is not cheap. And there's all kinds of things that were going through my mind on, I really wish that I had prayed through that decision 
before I pulled the trigger. Um, I started to look at what other people had before I really thought to think, what do I really need? And uh, so <laughs> my desire to have what others had outgrew my obedience to be thankful for what I had been gifted by God. You see, at the time, I was blessed with the great job that I love. I lived in a great area um, where I didn't have to pay a lot of rent. Um, and before I bought my truck, I had a truck. It just was old and beat up, and I thought that I needed a nice, shiny new one. Um, but that old one, the most important thing was it was paid off. You see, there are many times in life when we get caught up in the speed and standards of society's needs to have more and more. We're told that technology can't keep up. I'm guilty of that. Um, our vehicles aren't worth anything after 100,000 miles, or that our homes need to be a certain size, or they need to be decorated with certain things. Now, I, I want you to understand, I don't think any of those things are bad. Um, I think the thing that worries me, because I saw it in myself, my concern was more about what we spend our time and our resources in pursuit of. You see, when I look into God's word, I'm convinced that it's not really about possessions or money for him. He's looking at our hearts and he's trying to understand where we are getting the desire for the things that we need or want. It's our ability to understand that we are being good stewards of the blessings in life that we already have, the things that God has already gifted us with. So Jesus gives a warning of this in multiple places in Scripture, but in a particular place I want to look at today, um, and I'll, I'll invite you to open up with me here in a second. Um, we're going to look at Matthew 25, um, verse 14. And if you are, I, I made sure to keep this in my notes, if you are using a pew Bible today, we're in page 694, so I'll invite you to turn there with me. And while you're doing that, I want to take just a second and set this up. Um, see, Jesus was, um, he was with his disciples as he usually was, um, but this was just a couple of days before the Passover meal, um, which, as many of you know, would be the last time that they're all together before Jesus' arrest. Um, Jesus knew what was coming um, uh, in the next few days, so he was spending some time teaching and preparing his followers for his absence. Um, so let's turn into Scripture and, and dive right into this, and I'm going to read through this entire passage with you. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on to his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied again, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you, had, that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I love the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's main goal um, in writing this book uh, was to speak, and, uh, speak to the Jews, explain to his people, the Jews, that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. Many of them had not come to believe that yet. So um, he wanted them to see that Jesus was the one who had brought the kingdom of God to earth and fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. One of the many reasons I love this gospel is because Matthew appealed to his audience. Um, he did this by um, teaching, introducing Jesus to people through the way that he taught. Most of you are aware that Jesus was a master teacher. More specifically, perhaps, um, was that he was an incredible storyteller. And the Gospels were filled with what we call parables, um, this being one of those. And Jesus used parables to teach his disciples. Oftentimes, the disciples, if they're having trouble comprehending something um, or just really understanding a certain topic, which, by the way, was most of the time, he would use a parable to help relate to them. Much like we, we watch TV and movies and read books because we relate with certain characters in those stories. The parables were the same thing, and Jesus was able to teach using those stories. So, Jesus' use of the parables was his primary method of teaching. We find this particular parable that we just read right in the middle of several other parables um, that Jesus used in a sermon that he gave them in these last couple days that I spoke about. Um, this sermon is known as the Olivet Discourse. During this, Jesus used these, these uh, parables for his primary focus of trying to help the disciples learn how to be prepared for the coming of Christ, for the return of the Savior, and the judgment that that would bring. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, hold on a minute, Josh. You're just talking about being good stewards in our possessions. What does that have to do with talking about end times and um, waiting for Christ's return and judgment that that would bring? Well, I think if we were to kind of 
think about that question a little bit, Jesus would answer that as saying it has everything to do with it. So let's look a little bit closer into this text. Um, We have four main characters. We have a master and three servants. The first servant, as we remember, was given five talents. The second was given two. And the last was given one talent, each according to their ability. The consensus among most scholars is that the master is Christ, who is the owner and proprietor of all things. So if Jesus is the master, then Christians are certainly the servants who have been entrusted with safeguarding the master's possessions. If we quickly walk back through this text, um, we can see that the master gives each servant a responsibility and then heads out on his journey. So two of the servants go out and immediately they gain an investment. They double their investment while the third takes his and buries it in the ground. After a long absence, the master returns. The two servants who gained on their investments are praised by the master while the third is rebuked harshly. There's, I mean, that's very harsh language that we see in this text. So looking at it simply, it just appears that the master is upset or frustrated. Well, that was, why, why didn't you at least go put it in the bank and let it gain a little bit of interest or something? Um, but as we know, this is why we love parables, because Jesus isn't talking about a simple investment. He's talking about a whole lot more. So we need to remember, first of all, that Jesus in this story is the master and the servants are the Christians. As Christians, we have been entrusted with the good news of Christ who has brought the kingdom of God here to earth. Every good blessing given to us has been given by God to help us be successful in building his kingdom. I want to take a look at a particular verse in the passage for just a few minutes. Um, So let's jump back to verse 29, and we're going to read what the master says. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. I, I like the second half of that. Even what he has will be taken from him. Jesus isn't interested in us simply holding on to the blessing that we have. Because that's a quick way for us to lose the blessing. Let's put it this way. When I was a little kid, um, I loved to play soccer. And um, that was the sport that I chose. And um, uh, my dad... Uh, told me, he always reminded me, well, son, if you want to get better, you got to go outside and you got to actually run around with your ball. You can just stand there and kick with it or you can run around and dribble or you can even kick against the fence and break the fence. And um, so uh, that's what I did. And dad always reminded me, son, you, ne- if you, you need to either use it or lose it. Many of you have heard that term. Any talents that we have, singing, Art, speaking, writing, any of those things need to be used in order to be, uh, to be uh, usable and to actually grow and for us to actually be able to um, start being effective with those things. 
And the same is true for, thing, for little things that we have, whether it's possessions or money. What good is a bunch of money if it just sits there? It, it's kind of just worthless, isn't it? Um, my dad has a friend named Ronnie. Uh, many of you know my dad. Um, when he's been here to preach or to help with things, or maybe some of you met him this summer at, uh, at our wedding, um, but my dad's been in ministry for a long time, and it really all of my life. And so uh, there's always something that he's trying to uh, teach somebody. So um, right now, he's the manager uh, of Prairie View Christian Camp down in Ark City, Kansas, uh, which is way down there. And uh, he loves it. Uh, there, but as you can imagine, as a manager of a camp, there are lots of things that need to be done. There's buildings that need to be attended to. Uh, it's a wooded area, so that needs to be taken care of and groomed, and all those things have to be addressed, um, especially when you're there year-round. And so there's always things that need to be done. Well, Dad's friend Ronnie, um, who he met uh, when he was in ministry in Joplin, uh, Missouri, several years ago, um, Ronnie kind of became uh, kind of like a brother to me and, and a, an extra son for my dad. Dad is very fatherly anyways, and so dad just kind of took Ronnie under his wing. And um, Ronnie is slightly mentally handicapped. And um, he really uh, can't go and get a job um, because of that, but he loves to work. He loves to use his hands and he's one of the strongest people that I've ever met. He's probably about this tall, but I wouldn't want to get in a fight with him. And um, I've never seen anyone lift as much as Ronnie does on a regular basis. And, and so what Dad does is he'll drive to Joplin and go pick up Ronnie, and he'll bring him back to the camp and give Ronnie the opportunity to serve. Dad can't pay Ronnie because of his disability. Um, he wouldn't receive the disability. So Ronnie just comes and does it. And so dad will say, well, Ronnie, we need to go cut down this area of trees because it's starting to grow over this area that we need to use. And so Ronnie literally goes and clears it all out on his own, cuts it up, stacks it on a trailer, and gets it out of there all by himself. And then he comes back and he says, what else? And then dad will send him and go do something else. And that happens over and over and over again. You see, Ronnie takes those opportunities. He gets opportunity after opportunity to serve. And he keeps coming back and says, what's next? God blesses so many through Ronnie, including myself. Folks, we are blessed to be a blessing. Our desire in life should be to be blessed to give and to be able to give, to be blessed, to give again. I'll say that again. Our desire in life should be able to give, to be blessed, and then give again. God wants us to understand that he doesn't just give us blessings in life and uh, give us talents and money and possessions for us to hold on to those things or for us to have them. He gives us to them so that we can use them for his kingdom. And that he desires for us to want more so that we can be a greater blessing to people. 
When we, are bless, when we are blessing others the way that God has blessed us, then we are working to complete the mission he has laid out for us. Here at WCC, that mission looks like invite, share, serve. And that is simply what Christ's mission is. In Matthew 28, just a few chapters down from where we're looking at today, Christ's mission is to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey each of my commandments. Folks, being good stewards is about discipleship. It's about using what we have to go into the world and share it with those who need to know Jesus. If we are to be good stewards of everything that God has entrusted us with, then we have to realize that our blessings are there to help us accomplish his mission. It's about being prepared for his return because we have been faithful to his blessing using those gifts, those talents, all of those. He's given us those and we are, t- we are entrusted to go and multiply his kingdom. So the question is, what do you do with the blessing that you have received from the master? Well, first of all, it's pretty simple. You can just be thankful. Have gratitude. Don't do what I did in, when, with my opening story and see what a, somebody else had and desire that for yourself and become greedy because then you're wasting the blessing that God has given you with the things that you had. Last week, Jed and I uh, had an opportunity to go with Mike um, uh, down to uh, Atlanta, Georgia for a conference called Catalyst. We were there with some other students from the college, uh, and while we were there, we heard from speakers from all over the country and even uh, from around the world. One of those speakers um, was not someone I was expecting to hear from while we were there, um, but her name was Rachel Cruz, and some of you may know who she is. She uh, is the daughter of Dave Ramsey, and she was there really to kind of talk about um, financial stewardship and help um, us ministers have that in mind. Um, But I found it interesting how she... um, was telling this message because it was kind of right along what I had been thinking as I've been preparing for today. And she started talking about how um, our comparisons to other people, desiring things that other people have, leads to greed and other things. She talked about um, watching things on her Facebook feed or Twitter or Instagram or whatever social network you might use. You see pictures of people's homes or uh, new clothes that they got, or whatever, and we become jealous of those things. We get wrapped up in that. But God warns us against greed and abund- a desire for abundance of possessions. In Luke twelve fifteen, he says, Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the, in the abundance of his possessions. Uh, Rachel Cruz also talked about how that greed leads to debt. Folks, did you know that the average um, American credit card debt per household is $16,000? And 
And the graduating class of this year from college, 2016, has an average of $35,000 in student loan payments. So, and, I, and again, hear me, like, we have to, you know, we got to go to school. Like, people are going to have student loan debt. I have student loan debt. But if we were able to focus on not getting ourselves into that position where we're in debt in the first place and might be able to save for college, college goes up every year, I realize. But think about how much that could be cut down. Debt is a form of enslavement. And it takes away our, our ability to be generous with people. Gratitude, on the other hand, helps us quench discontentment and negative comparisons. Regular, here's my suggestion, if you want to kind of think about how you can go through being uh, grateful each day. Maybe you just need to start with getting up every morning, and maybe even before you get out of bed, just writing down in a journal or laying there and just thinking about, oh man, I'm thankful for my family, for my job, for sleep. I'm thankful for all of these things. Um, You can pray about that. And then you can have that with you each day, and you commit that each day where you are grateful for the things that God has given us. Another way uh, to be a good steward is to be generous. As we said before, our desire should be to give to be blessed than to give again. 2 Corinthians 8, um, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, And he's encouraging the church um, to uh, see the example that a church in Macedonia had set about generous giving. I just want to read this real quick to you. Um, Paul says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in, in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. They were joyous in their giving. And they even gave beyond what they could give, knowing that God had blessed them. When I uh, was going into my second semester of my freshman year of college, um, I uh, had, was just now kind of getting back to school. And, um, you know, right when you get back to college, you've got to go and get registered and make sure that everything's taken care of and make sure that all your bills are paid. And so I was walking through that process, and I get to the registrar um, or tre- whatever she was. And... Um, I was told, well, Josh, you still owe, it was somewhere around between six dollars and $700, which, you know, when you're paying for college, isn't a whole lot of money, but we didn't have it. I didn't have it. My parents didn't have it. And I got really discouraged because I was afraid, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to go home, or I'm not, I don't know how this is going to happen. And so I called my dad. And as he usually is, he was very just... Uh, uplifting and positive and encouraging and said, Josh, it's okay. 
God's got this. And I said, okay. And I, I, we didn't necessarily come up with a, a solution at that point, but we knew that, you know, we were going to figure something out. So I went and it was taking care of a couple thing, other things on campus and decided, well, I need to go check my mail. So I went to go do that. And um, at, at Manhattan, we had just probably like many college, smaller colleges, just had one room with a bunch of mailboxes in, in there. And so I went and walked in and opened my box and the only thing that was in it was this white envelope, unmarked, nothing on it, with $500 cash in it. And I, I, I didn't know what to say. I, I, I just felt this overwhelming relief, joy. Um, I was very emotional. I, I was just stunned that God had taken care of that need but he had used someone else to do that. Someone else who, I don't know how they knew that I needed that money, but God knew. <laughs> and, I, you know, I like to think that perhaps they saw the look on my face when I opened that envelope, and um, God gave them joy just by seeing the joy that was on my face because they were able to help me, and they gave to me willingly and generously. As a church, you know, as a church we've become, I, I'll be bold to say, that we've become good at being good stewards and good servants in our community. It's something that we take seriously here. And I, and I uh, you know, throughout the years, uh, it's been awesome to see the way that you guys have stepped up to lead in certain areas in our community. Uh, just some examples. In August, we gave out um, over 100 pairs of shoes and 100 backpacks to kids that were in need of those things before they went back to school this fall. Which means that you as a church raised at least $3,000 to be able to go towards the purchase of those things. And we were also able to send 30, about 30 extra pairs of shoes and backpacks to some of the area schools so that if there's a kid that wasn't able to be here that day that is in need of those things, it's there for them. And we didn't do it because we want to be proud that we did it. We did it because God has given us the ability to and he's given us the resources to do that. We have a food pantry that regularly feeds people in our area that might be 30 to 40 miles away from here. But they hear about it, and they're in need, and so we're able to give to them. And as Jed was mentioning earlier, coming up this week, folks, you have um, made a huge pile out there of materials that we're going to use that the kids are going to all put together, and those things will be sent to Africa to be put into pairs of shoes. They will go and make pairs of shoes for kids that walk around barefoot and get little bugs in their feet that burrow and then start to spread disease because they get infected. Folks, those are needs that we are meeting through our generosity, and we are blessed to be able to have those opportunities to set an example for those around us. So that's my last part. One more way to be good stewards 
of the blessing that God has given us is to be an example, to be a discipler. Who are you leading? Who are you discipling? Is it your family? Is it your coworkers? Is it someone sitting next to you right now? Or is it somebody that God has laid on your heart that you need to be going and leading to Christ because that is what you've been called to do? I want to close with one last look at our text. The master's response to both of the faithful servants who earned double the amount that they had been given. In verse 21, we read, The master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Folks, we serve a God who loves us immensely, whose desire is to give us blessings. His desire is for us to enjoy life and enjoy the things that he gives us. But what he asks is that we use those things to go into the world and make disciples. To be inviting, sharing, and serving. To accomplish the mission that Christ has set for us. And Jesus' desire, most of all, because of the great love that he has for us, is on that day that he returns to be able to turn to each one of us and look us right in the eye, give us an enormous hug, and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us. Father, the love that you have for us, the desire that you have for us, to be able to be in this life and enjoy you, enjoy family, enjoy the things that you give, the blessings that you bring us. God, those are enormous. And sometimes we don't understand um, why you might be so good to us. But God, I pray that today we would understand that when we receive those blessings, we know that it is your desire for us to turn that And have good stewardship by giving it to others, by being a blessing to others. God, we love you for everything that you give us in life. And we just ask that that you would continue to help us be humble in the way that we serve. God, we thank you for everything that you do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.